This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Hey, good afternoon. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. An hour every Saturday or two when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. We try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. That's kind of what we're going to be doing, that latter thing, a couple of issues that maybe we haven't focused on enough in this edition Talk Radio 77 WABC, the most powerful radio station in the entire East Coast, maybe the most powerful AM radio station in the whole country. After us at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lewa comes in for Left versus Right. You can hear us on the WABC Radio app or WBCRadio.com. And you can always get this program as a podcast if you can't make it at 2 o'clock. But if you want to participate and call in to be part of the show, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We have Rich, Ryan, and Kevin helping me out today. I'm really grateful for them. A little bit of a dismal day, um, raining outside. Uh, this week, Keys to the City, the podcast I produce, it's kind of a kind of a wonky podcast. It talks about problems, solving problems in the city. Episode 11 is out. I hope, encourage you to get that. It's about the problem of affordable housing in the city. You can tweet at Rep Wiener or Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. So this has been a, a, a big and interesting week in the Wiener household. Jordan, tomorrow, you know, you were with me for the drama of him trying out for the first time. He hasn't played hockey terribly long, only a couple of years, but he just loves it and plays it a lot. Really enthusiastic about it. It's something he and I share. We play hockey every once in a while. We play together. And he has his first game tomorrow out at Aviator at, at the, at, um, in Floyd Bennett Park which is an old naval station that was used as a civil aviation center back in the days, going back as, as far as uh, World War II, fell into disrepair. It was one of those things that got turned over to the Park Service. Um, people don't realize the largest urban national park in the country is Floyd Bennett Field and Gateway National Park. It runs all the way into Staten Island. And when I was in Congress, one of my efforts there was to try to bring that real estate back into good use, and we – help build the ice arena out there. That's uh, And so Jordan is going out to play his first game against the Aviators. We're excited for that. Jordan's very excited for that. He's got his new uniform. It looks amazing. It says Wiener on the back. He's gotten over it. Apparently, they've said all the funny jokes they can make about his name, and he's adapted well. Um, today, uh, I feel good here. Didn't get a chance to bike here to the studio. There is a parade on 2nd Avenue. I think it's the Nigerian parade. I'm not 100% sure. 2nd Avenue usually doesn't have parades. They have one. 
but I had a nice lunch before I came in here. I don't know about – this is probably a controversial position, and I don't like to do hot takes, but I'm, I'm convinced that the only real Class A number one grilled cheese sandwich, which is something most adults don't eat, but if you have a 10-and-a-half-year-old around the house, you do, is made with Wonder Bread and Kraft American cheese. Okay, call me a Philistine, whatever. And um, so – but the problem is that when there's a, a – a loaf of bread in the house. I don't like to eat bread. It's not good for me. There's a loaf of bread in the house. I just eat it. So I've been making macaroni. macaroni. I've been doing grilled cheese sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and eating like a 10-and-a-half-year-old today. But it's that kind of day. It's kind of drizzly outside. In addition this week, another thing going on in the Wiener household, uh, Huma's book, Huma Abedin, um, her book comes out on paperback on Tuesday. It was in the New York bestseller last New York Times bestsellers, both and. It's just an amazing story. If I mean, you can... Go to the index and look up the Anthony Weiner parts and just tear those out and move on to the other stuff because her life has been remarkable. She's one of the most remarkable women I've ever met in my life. Her story is amazing. The story of her late dad. If you just read that part of the book, that first part of the book, um, it's well worth the price of admission. So that's coming out this week. So she's going to be doing some more media. And um, hopefully she gets an opportunity to talk a little bit more about the book. And also she has a lot to say about what's going on now in Afghanistan and India, India, Iran. Um, and, uh, she knows that she's, she's just amazing. The book is amazing. I encourage you to get it. It's called both. And it did have a subtitle in the hard, hard, uh, the hard copy version had a subtitle, I think a life in many worlds. This one had so many blurbs like of the amazing reviews she got. So they didn't have space for that. So both. And I encourage you to get it also going on this week. I need, need the listeners a little bit of help with this. Um, the middle, we have this show every Saturday. I'm really grateful for it. Two to three. We get a lot of feedback about um, the podcast that I do, Keys to the City, that how come it's not more like the middle? We want a little more of that content. And sometimes things happen in the middle of the week that I want to talk about. And so what we're going to start doing is a podcast during the middle of the week that's based on the middle. So we'll call it like the middle extended or something like that, although Rich pointed out that sounds a little bit like the middle finger extended. So maybe we don't – well, I don't know. Maybe we do want to have that. Maybe that's exactly what we're looking for. Um, and in order to, to be in the loop on this, I would encourage you to subscribe to The Middle, the podcast that we currently have that's this show, and we'll notify you when the other one is, is ready to go. And so that's exciting, a little bit of, of, um, of, of more opportunities for me to get comfortable behind the microphone um, and to talk a little about the issues of the day. Uh, up and down week uh, for the Yankees and the Mets. Up for the Yankees, down for the Mets. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, really, I am. I'm not worried at all. Ever since I left you and I bragged that the longest streak of three runs or less in a, in a baseball history was by uh, Jacob deGrom, a, a record that dates back to 1914. He's now had two straight outings of more than three. I didn't do it. I know there are some people who might want to say that I did. I am not broadcasting from the ledge here. I'm, we're going to be fine. We're Strasburg tonight. We're going to be fine. Um, obviously, Aaron Judge got his 60, his 61st. We'll see if he gets a 62nd today. I'll keep you posted. And if you're Liz Truss, I don't know. You might be the worst prime minister in British history. You know, you can go back to episode 16. I love the British system. Um, talk about it all the time with Catherine. But Liz Truss, since she's been in office, it's been just a few weeks, and most of it was taken up with commemorating the death of the Queen. She has now driven her party, the Tories, the conservatives in that country, um, to the worst polling that they've had in 70 years. So it's a combination of her ridiculous proposals. The problem is with the Tories is they this is what she said she was going to do, and now she's done it, and 
the British people don't like it very much, and so good for them. Um, this was a very, very difficult week in Florida. We have a lot of our listeners who listen in Florida, and to them our thoughts and our prayers go out to them. We have a lot of folks here who are snowbirds in New York. So with anyone within the sound of my voice um, who has who has friends, neighbors, you know, these we know what it's like. You know, we, we who endured Hurricane Sandy, but in Florida – um, this has been a, a terrible, even if it is a rite of passage, even if it is the the product of, of things that might have been predictable or seen, it doesn't make the, the misfortune and the challenges any less. And so we uh, pray for them. And in the category of mourning losses, um, Lieutenant Allison Russo Ellis, an EMT, going about her business, going into a bodega to get a bite to eat, um, killed by someone who apparently has 25 years of schizophrenia, diagnosed but, you know, I, I agree with Nicole Gelinas, who who writes a column for the New York Post, who wrote today this notion of just because someone has mental illness is not like a free pass for policymakers and for politicians. You got to do something about that, too. Arguably, that's if you look at some of the cases recently, that's the big challenge. That's the big public safety challenge. It's not enough just to throw up your hands. So there's nothing we could do. I think we should be doing a lot more. I think that in every precinct where we're turning out beat officers, there should be you know, people specializing in mental health walking alongside them so that cops are not dealing with EDPs, that citizens are not dealing with them, that you know, if you call 311, we're going to talk about this on left versus right, you call 311 and hope in a couple of weeks someone calls you back. That's not the way to handle this problem. And and, and the, the murder of Lieutenant Allison Russo Ellis is in our, all of our thoughts and that's not enough. We have to do something here, um, and it's not um, it's not going to be easy. And also, not to start the entire program on just down notes, this is also the fifth anniversary of the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival shooting, that's, that shooting that took place in Las Vegas, which was the single worst mass shooting in American history. It was October 1st, 2017, 60 dead, 800-some-odd people injured. When a guy shot more than 1,000 bullets out of his window of the 32nd floor, I think, of the Mandalay Bay, it, it, it was the worst. And we shouldn't forget that a lot of people are dealing with those. So let's go through some of the numbers of the week, and then I'll talk about a couple of the issues that are, have been on my mind this week. Um, the first one is 67. That is the number of votes against aid for Hurricane Sandy when it overwhelmingly passed the House, $9.7 billion in flood insurance aid for for people whose flood insurance either wouldn't pay or underpaid, 67 votes. That's how many votes were against one of them, Ron DeSantis. And this week he is asking Congress for the very similar thing, and I hope that the Congress does it, just pointing out that, you know, sometimes you don't just do things that benefit you directly. You try to do what's in the best interest of the country. And when he said no to us, um, we now, I hopefully, the New York de- delegation doesn't return the favor, says yes, when the people of Florida ask. Uh, the next number is six. That is the number of states that has sued Joe Biden uh, over his debt relief plan. Um, and if you go back to episode 23, there's going to be a lot of throwback references to old episodes of the middle today. If you go back to episode 23 where I talked about this issue and I talked about the legal challenges it might face, the one I pointed out that I was concerned about, meaning that I thought would have a, a – is this notion that the president didn't have the authority to do this. And I pointed out, I think I pointed out then, that this is based on a post, uh, post-9-11 statutory authority called the, the uh, Higher Education Relief Opportunities Act, the HEROES, if you spell it out. And it basically says that you can grant relief 
for specific periods of time, including a war, other military operation, or national emergency. And so they're using that national emergency part with COVID to say that that's the that's where they can do it. But six states are suing Biden over this, so we'll see if it winds up surviving. Uh, 2035, another number of the week. That is the year by which, according to Kathy Hochul, we too in New York, all cars and trucks will be sold, will be electric vehicle. Go back to episode 24 where I talked about where I love the idea. The problem with her announcement is that I'm not quite sure. She says that she's doing something by regulation that seems a little bit far-reaching, but let's see. It's not clear how that's going to work. It's aspirational. Hopefully it'll be successful. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to see about how exactly that would work. Another number is 29. 29% of New Yorkers in a poll this week think crime is a top concern. And if you're like, 29, that's all? Yeah, it's not even in the t- – that's that's only third on the list. Ec- the economy ranked fifth, had 50%. Threats to our democracy, 34%. And 29% say crime. Um, by the way, abortion is only at 15%. That's according to a Siena poll. Um, and I would encourage you to go back to listen to episode 27 where I – said, let's have a debate about this. <laughs> I yelled a little bit too much. Didn't get some, didn't get great feedback about that. Uh, but that was, uh, that's one of the numbers of the week. And finally, the last number of the week, I usually like to transition into what I want to talk about in my, in my monologue. Um, and that's 63. 63% of respondents in a poll in March of 2022, which is about eight months ago now, said that Andrew Cuomo should not hold public office ever again. Um, Siena College said it was 60 percent and 80 percent said that he was he believed the right made the right decision in resigning. Uh, but this week, after about sixty thousand dollars in ads and circulating op eds in his favor, um, Andrew Cuomo uh, put out an eight minute long video um, about his desire to come back to public life and asking for our help. And we have a little clip of that now. Social media has created a political Roman Colosseum that encourages the loud and the mean and the outrageous. The heated rhetoric of the extreme minority dominates the dialogue. Defund this, condemn those, cancel that, lock out them, and do it now, right now. It's not about the truth. It's not about the facts. It's not about what's right. It's not about what's smart. It's a Twitter mob, but the mob has power. And many politicians and press are afraid to challenge it, lest the mob turn on them. In fact, many vie to lead the mob. So that's part of an eight-minute, that was a pretty long clip, but that was part of an eight-minute long introduction where he talks about his desire to get back into public life, how he's going to be having a podcast. He's going to start a public action committee. And um, he also uh, talks about that. Like what he doesn't talk about, in fairness, is he doesn't really talk about why he resigned. He doesn't go into that. He doesn't do anything about that, doesn't do any conversation about um, about, you know, the so-called victims and the allegations against him. And when when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about this because I had look, I'm in a weird position here. 
people have been asking me, reporters have been asking me what kind of advice I'd given what I would say to this because I'm someone who did a comeback not very well. <laughs> so when we get back, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'd like you to be part of the conversation, too. And a little later in the show, we're going to talk about whether or not there should be Joe Biden should be removed from office because he's too old. We're going to talk about that as well. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Thank you for joining us in the middle. We'll see you on the other side. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner, Owl City, bringing us in. I have... We all have our guilty pleasures. Owl City is one of mine. We're talking a little bit about Andrew Cuomo. And a little later in the program, uh, I teased it just before we went out. Um, this notion of how old is too old when you're a president and whether or not there should be something done, either constitutionally or in our laws, uh, to make it so. Well, we answer that question. How old is too old when you're the president of the United States? But we're talking now about Andrew Cuomo's effort to return to public life. And as I was saying before the break, this is a weird one for me um, because I don't – you know, all I can talk about is the experience that I went through coming back from a scandal, different in many ways from from Andrew Cuomo's scandal, but the same in general, the sensibility that, you know, if you're a, a movie star and you want to get back or you, you make a movie, if you're a an author, you write a book, if you're someone who's an accountant in a law firm, you go look for another job, but – when you're in public life, you know, you basically have to ask permission from the public to come back. And and I clearly made mistakes. And all I can talk about is the path that I took and and the way that I process these things. And and there's a lot of people who have their own views on this. And I don't want to get I don't want to anyway claim that I'm to be an expert, except that I did kind of go through it. And people have been asking me. And recently, when people ask me stuff, when other members of the media ask me things, I say, well, just listen to my show. I'll tell you there because I want people to tune in because then I get good ratings. And then Rich gets a raise and Ryan can take days off and all these other things. And I guess the first element of this is that everyone deserves grace. I mean, no one, none of us is perfect that, you know, that especially on this time of the calendar for people of my faith, when this time, this week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, this is a, a time about asking for and granting others forgiveness. And all religions have some form of this, some basic element, this whole notion of atonement and being forgiven. It's an important element that because we all know we none of us are perfect. And if you only know one thing about 12-step recovery programs, you probably know the notion of making amends, how important that is as part of that process. Um, you know, that's the one that gets all the headlines. Um, but to be clear, me personally, no one owes me an amend. But he does have to decide, Mr. Cuomo does have to decide whether he does owe others. Does he owe his accusers an amends? Does he owe the attorney general and amends, does he owe his supporters? Does he owe the citizens of New York? I mean, what, you know, and that's a, a question that only he, he can answer. 
Um, but my experience, and just to reiterate, this is only my experience, is that amends are helpful not only to those that we have harmed, but they're also essential to ourselves, to this notion of recovering from things, this notion of whether it's be from addiction in my case or in the case of coming back from a situation like Cuomo is in, to go back and literally recover, re-examine what you've done. And much of what Andrew Cuomo has said so far is talking about other people's part. I played that that audio for a reason, you know, that the notion of making amends is just taking responsibility for your part, what you may have done. Um, and I can only speak for me, but I have found that blaming social media or blaming politics or blaming others is not what amends are about. They might make us feel better. How many, if I had been asked a thousand times, oh, if it weren't Twitter, none of this would have happened to you. No, that's, it's not technology's fault. It's no one, it's no, it's no one else's fault. These things are my responsibility. I have, I, it's, it's, it's a question is always, what was my part in all of this? And I think in the final analysis, it is about humility. It is about something that is in far too short supply in politics. It's in far too short supply, I think, in the world, generally speaking. This whole notion of maybe I'm wrong, examining where I could do better, examining how tomorrow I can try to fix that. And every day, as quickly as possible, going to someone and saying, hey, I was I was a jerk today or I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have said that or that tone of voice was wrong. And so when I think about Cuomo and when I think about my own situation, I know that what I failed to do between the time that I left office and the time that I tried to come back was that I failed to do a fundamental thing was to realize how much that was going on in my inner life, how much was going on with me mentally, how much was going on with me spiritually. It was broken. On my own, it wasn't anyone else's fault. It was my own undoing. And um, and that's why, for me, the question is, is that, is our, have those amends happen? And each of us is going to make their, their, their decision about Andrew Cuomo. Now, I should tell you this. I mean, he wasn't particularly kind to me <laughs> when I was going through my things as I was – you know, kind of looking through some of this stuff to prepare for the show, he said some very nasty things about me both in 2011 and then again in 2013. But all that being said, that's that, that's not – I don't have blame him for that. He was doing exactly what he thought was the right thing to do like so many people around me were. And I see that part of Mr. Cuomo's return is he called up Cindy Adams and went on and listed all the public officials in his life that he thought turned on him. But remember, it all we can do is account for our own activities and so – one other thing about all of this, you don't want to listen to his podcast. You can just vote by not listening. You don't want to donate to his political action committee. Just don't. If you don't want to give him a second chance, that's everyone's right. Mine as well. I mean, I don't I, – I, to some degree, I'm, I mean, I didn't vote I, – I, I was not a, I was not a big fan of him as a governor. But, but putting all that aside, so when people ask me, well, what advice would you give him? I wouldn't give him any advice except to say that what I did, my experience was that the humility that goes with accepting – your own part in it, even if it's 10 percent, accepting your own part of it is a really important part. So that's what I have to say about that. If you're interested in getting in on that part of the conversation, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. There is another issue I wanted to talk about today, if you don't 
The Cuomo one really – the Cuomo is kind of a little bit of a conversation stopper, I know. But I did want to just mention those things so people can stop asking me about them. And the second issue is one that I have been giving a lot of thought to and originally was going to do the, the entire show about. And I think that, that my callers might be more interested in that. So if you're interested, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And that is the question of should we have an age limit for president? Uh, we know we have an age minimum in the Constitution. That's 35 because there was some conversation to, among our founding fathers. You know, we want someone with that has some experience that has lived some life. You know, 25 is probably like today's 50, right, in terms of life expectancy. And this conversation has come up from time to time in American history. It's obviously come up again recently, but it really came to a head for the first time in kind of the media age when – Ronald Reagan, who was elected when he was 69 years old, it was at the time, um, it was a real issue. And like they, Ronald Reagan on the campaign trail was out cutting, chopping wood and riding horses, and he had this jet black hair. It was, you know, when when he was elected president in 69, it was a big deal. And when he stood for, for re-election, I guess he was 73 at the time, um, it became – not only a legit issue, but it was the time – remember, in that re-election, Walter Mondale got swamped. I think he only won one state. It was one of the epic landslides. But when asked after the campaign, was there a time that Mondale thought that he really could win, he pointed to the first debate with Ronald Reagan and a moment that happened in that debate that we know the second part, but we might not remember this. The system is still where it was with regard to uh, the uh, with regard to the the uh, progressivity, as I've said. So I don't know why. I guess that music under it was was in the tape that I found. But basically, that was him answering a question during the second debate during the, during the first debate, rather. And then let's just hear that one more time, if possible. The system is still where it was with regard to uh, the. With regard to the the uh, progressivity, as I've said, so that was you know, obviously a televised debate. It was a big deal. It was the first time that he was on on stage. It was that kind of stumbling thing. It was it, and the the for the first time in America. No, it's not for the first time, but like in a media sense, kind of everything turned around for a moment in that campaign. Suddenly, people were talking about about that, and so much so that it was an obvious question in the second debate. Now, we remember the question. Do we remember the answer that Reagan gave in that second debate? Let's listen for a moment to both the question and the answer that he gave at that time. You already are the oldest president in history, and some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truett, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. Now that laughter, not only was that in the room, but the way that this was shot, you could see in frame was Walter Mondale, and he too was laughing. And he later said he knew right then that not only was he going to lose, but that the issue 
had been neutralized with that clever answer. And by the way, historians tell a story that Ronald Reagan it was prepped again and again that he was going to get that question and kept telling his advisors, don't worry, I got this, I got this, but never told them what that answer was going to be. That was one that he just came up with. So like, so the idea of, and, and, and remember, 1970, I'm sorry, 1973, when he's, he is reelected Reagan, 94 when he, when he died, the age of 94, and it was in 1994 that he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And there's been a lot of conversation, did he have Alzheimer's? During the um, during the time he was president, Bill O'Reilly did a book, Killing of Reagan, that frankly a lot of Reagan's advisors disagree with. Reagan's advisors say, no, there was no evidence of cognitive decline. There have been some studies done of words and phrases that Reagan used during that second term that gave indication that maybe. But that was he was, as I said, 73. And now fast forward to today with Joe Biden. And we don't need to replay the clip from this week. If you listen to WABC, you've heard it a a thousand times. He was at a conference on hunger and called out a congresswoman who was dead. It was embarrassing, but it's raised questions. And but it's not, you know, and the other thing about Joe Biden is um, that he's had lots of moments that made him look bad. But I'm not I'm not talking about gaffes. I'm not talking about where he says something dopey. Like there was some one time in a in a uh, a political what was I guess it was was it what year what, I don't remember what year it was, but he was at a a campaign rally. Someone raises their hand to raise a to 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 ask a question, and he says to the guy, "Stand up, stand up, let everybody see you." And the guy was in a wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, not stuff like that. This is a this is a guy. I, um, he just says things in very clumsy ways. Uh, for example, just I think last week or the week before, he's standing on stage with Elton John, the famous uh, musician, and then, listen, listen to what he says. By the way, it's all his fault that we're spending $6 billion in taxpayer money this month to help AIDS fight HIV AIDS. Now, I know what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that Elton John is an advocate for HIV and AIDS, but to say that we're spending all this money because of Elton John, because we're spending all this money on AIDS because of Elton John, the whole thing, you should see the look on, on Elton John's face. I mean, that's a gaff. That's a gaff. That's clumsy. He's got a lot of those. Um, uh, and, you know, we've had other old presidents besides Joe Biden recently who have said kind of, clumsy things and have had issues with the way they've spoken. She goes by DJ and CJ. He said, call me either one. And has instead given unelected regulators and regulators, we will arrive at a peace and a place. They work two jobs and sometimes three jobs. They sacrifice every day for the furniture and future of their children. Authority and authoritarian powers through their lives and though their lives were cut short. Our hope is a word and world of proud, independent nations. What standard, and really if you think of it, when you talk about the great sailors and the great sailors of the world, we have them. But what stranded sailor doesn't feel relief? Tolerance for human struggling and human smuggling. 
Okay, that's that's plenty. I mean, look, these are gaffes. These are mistakes. When you speak in public, when you speak off a teleprompter, when you speak without a teleprompter, you're going to have those. But there is this question today about whether or not when presidents get too old, we should somehow get rid of them. I mean, is there some limit that we should put it? Maybe, you know, right, right now, the only way to get rid of a president who's too old is the 25th Amendment which is kind of a soft coup. Um, it came up at least twice in the Trump administration, this idea of cabinet officials getting together and saying we want to put the vice president in charge. It's a very difficult process, as it probably should be, because you basically have government officials, a handful of them taking over the government. But I wonder if the real solution might be one that maybe people on both sides of the aisle can agree upon, and that is an age limit. We say that after you reach the age of 20, uh, 25, of 75, effective immediately, you can't run for president. What do you think? 75, you can't run for president. It's effective immediately. Um, that would mean two of the last two people that I played on tape won't be able to run. And, like, look, there's another reason besides, you know, your your mental abilities, there is this notion, and this is why a lot of companies have mandatory retirement age. There's also this, like, do you understand the world of today? You know, can a 80-year-old guy really relate to what's going on on, you know, with technology and with other things? And so so that is what I would call a modest proposal. For those of you who are Jonathan Swift fans, you know, um, you know what I mean. And when we get back, um, I want to hear what you have to say, either about my advice or my my uh, counsel for Cuomo or the idea for the 25th and a half, we'll call it the 25th and a half amendment, saying that no one past the age of 75 can run for president. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is the middle at 3 o'clock. Curtis Lee, what comes in the left versus right? We'll see you on the other side of the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. It's Grant Parker singing. I used to think it all stopped happening by the time you reach 21. We're talking about what happens when you get maybe too old to be president. This is The Middle every Saturday from 2 to 3. It's also available as a podcast almost as soon as we get off the air. Ryan does that magic that he does, and it appears in your podcast feed. Also, at 3 o'clock, Curtis Sliwa comes in for left versus right. We have a good deal to talk about. We could probably spend the whole hour just talking about the Yankees and the Mets, but uh, there are some serious things going on in the city. And uh, we have a good deal to catch up on. 
So we're talking a little bit about Biden, about Cuomo. Someone just texted me and says, what do they have to do with one another? I'm like, be quiet. Not every episode is that tight. I mean, they don't. Maybe they. I, maybe it's just things on a rainy Saturday afternoon that are on my mind. So there you go. Um, let's start us off with Chris and Beth Page. Chris, go ahead, bud. Hey, Anthony. First of all, uh, you should really be commended with your comeback because you've been very humble. I listen to you every week, and uh, I think a lot of people would be wise to follow your example. So I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. Hopefully Governor Cuomo is listening, and he can follow your example. Thank you. Okay. That being said, um, now this is what I think, Anthony, and I've been saying this for a while. I think more than the age limit, and I agree with you, 75 sounds about okay. I think the presidency should be six years, and that's it, one term. Because nobody, the worst part of is, is the second term of a president when he's starting to run for president again. And I just think that ruins, it should, it should be six years. Just that's it. Term limits, one term, six years. I wonder what you think about that. Well, that's an interesting idea. It's particularly interesting the number that you've chosen, Chris, because six would give you. Basically, a little time. One of the arguments against term limits is you just when you start to get your legs under you and figure out the job, you are out the door. So I like the number that you've chosen. Here's my concern about a lame duck president the minute they walk in the door is they'd be a lame duck president the minute they walk in the door. As it is, it's not easy to get stuff done. And it just depends on whether you think we need a stronger presidency. One example we can look at is the state of Virginia. And admittedly, it's a state. It's not a whole country. They have a one-term limit on their governorship. So what winds up happening is governors there almost immediately start looking for their next gig. <laughs> so in in the case, you know, we already see Yunkin, who got elected somewhat surprisingly in Virginia, is already looking to run for president because that's it. But I, I think there's something to your proposal, Chris. I, I, I like the idea, and thank you very much for calling. I like the idea of not having to worry about that. I always thought that there was something to that here in New York City of saying, listen, you got to break a few uh, you got to break a lot of eggs to make the omelets here in New York City. I'm not going to run for election. The problem is once you say that people start trying to figure out who the next guy is and I'm not sure that's the best way to go to go either. Next is Georgette in New Jersey. Georgette, thank you for waiting. Hi. Um I'm thank you for taking my call today. And I would like to say, I know this is a little diverting, and I thank you for bringing up this age um, element. This, Ronald Reagan and and our current president really are not a good comparison, I don't think. First of all, this president has had 50 years in the Senate, and now he's the president, and we we are suffering. And I think... The 25th Amendment would also be very awkward for this president because of his vice president. And I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings or anything, but I speak the truth. And it is a free country as far as I last checked. And we, you know, just saying something about North Korea yesterday coming out of the vice president's mouth. So this is a very, very tricky situation. And I I think you will agree Biden has not taken a cognitive test. And I think that is what truly should apply here. We need to be 100 percent for America. Yeah, I I hear you, Georgia, and I appreciate it. I mean, a cognitive – you could – 
Look, I don't think you can do it based on what people's comments are. I can find you a whole bunch of times where Ronald Reagan or where you can even find Barack Obama. Or you can find anyone going off what you speak a lot of words in public. Some of them are not going to be right. But I do think I think it's a legitimate concern. I, I you know, some people have said, oh, this is just another effort by the right to get by net of office. And I bet you, Georgette, if I if I put her hand on a stack of Bibles, she might tell me that she didn't vote for these guys and that doesn't like their their politics. But. I'm suggesting something else. I'm suggesting if we really do believe that there is a decline and that it's a it's a high energy job and it's a job that requires you have everything going on, that may be the way to solve this problem that both Democrats and Republicans can agree upon because you wind up getting rid of Trump and without of Biden. It's just put it to the 75 year limited. I'm not sure it's a perfect solution. That's why I I called it a modest proposal after the Jonathan Swift story about how we deal with the burdens that children have on on their parents by having us all eat our children. That was Jonathan Swift's story uh, that was called a modest proposal. Um, let's hear from um, from uh, John in Morristown. Go ahead, John. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Anthony? It's so good to talk to you. I thought your career was brilliant in the beginning. I'm so proud, and you should be so proud of where you are today. So congratulations being back. Thank you, sir. With that, with that, I love you, man. You uh, Seriously, I always like you. With that, uh, I had an age, it's funny you brought that up, I had an age of 71.5. So by 75, they could be done at being the uh, presidency. And, uh, I mean, you have the term, you can't be a, a president, I believe it's 36, correct? Um, so you can't be a president before 36, so there should be a, a cutoff date as well. I do like the six years. I never even thought of that. That man I thought had a, was onto something. That's all I have to say, so thank you. Well, very I much appreciate John. Thank you for the kind words. And, and it's the thought, you know, like having – it's not unheard of in American life, by the way. Companies have it, other, you know, as a policy. There's there's many elements of the judiciary. I believe here in New York State there's a mandatory retirement. I think in the federal judiciary there's a mandatory retirement age. So, um, but let's hear from Maria. Maria thinks the secure term is a bad idea. Go ahead, Maria. Yes, Anthony. Um, I think it's a terrible idea because... Joe Biden destroyed the country in just the past 18 months. What if we were stuck with him for six years? There would be nothing left. And I would also like to point out that you might not realize it, that since you've been on ABC, you have yourself become more in the middle. When you first started out, you were more of your old liberal self, and now you're much more, seems to be much more common sense, and you're doing well, and I congratulate you. Well, I appreciate it, Maria. The idea is not just this guy gets six years. It is like you change the structure, but I appreciate it. And since you ended with a, with a kind word, I will thank you very much for the kindness. Continue listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, next is Al in Fort Lauderdale. Al, are you in Fort Lauderdale now? Yes, I am. How, how are things on that coast? Uh, on the East Coast, we had two tornadoes, uh, one in Hollywood that affected uh, um, um, airport and uh, one in Davie, which is just south of mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. But uh, other than that, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, thank God the rains have stopped. We were drenched for several days there, even on the uh, East Coast. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we really appreciate you calling in. I'm, I'm glad that you're safe. What do you have to say about the conversation today? Well, um, number one, uh, Mr. Weiner, you made a gap yourself when you said 20 instead of 75. 20 instead of 70. 
Oh yes, yes. You mean you mean I, I misspoke? Yes, exactly. I mean, yes, and, yes, you did. But anyhow, and I fully agree with term limits. And uh, if uh, someone was to proceed with seventy-five as the limit, I guess we can say goodbye to Hillary for uh, the next election. And as far as uh, term limits in the Senate and the Congress, twelve years for the senators, and say goodbye to. Diane Feinstein at 88 years old and Chuck Grassley at 88 years old and Congressman 12 years, six uh, terms. Well, I, I that's right. So, Al, you come down on the side of of term limits. You've listed some of the people that would be affected by that. By the way, you know, the average tenure. I don't know if this has changed. Maybe I can check it for you while we're on the air. The average tenure in Congress is only about eight years. So effectively, we're getting that kind. We're getting more and more turnover every year. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not he- – so here, you know, we can have a term limits conversation in another context, and I'm open to it. Today we're talking about whether there should be requirements in the Constitution. Term limits have their upside and their downside, but the proposal I'm making, I'm calling it Amendment 25 and a half because the – the 25th Amendment is the way that we remove mem- um, presidents when they're incapacitated. 25 and a half, this would be something that would indeed take out Hillary. It would take not take them out, but they wouldn't be able to run. Donald Trump wouldn't be able to run, nor would Joe Biden be able to run for re-election. That's why on a show like The Middle, I thought it might have it might have some um, some appeal. Uh, let, let's go to John in Westchester. John, thank you for checking in today. Yes, Anthony. Uh I'm a big uh, supporter of term limits and age limits for a couple of things. We see the corruption, and if you notice, the so-called stock market uh, bill that was supposed to pass, it doesn't seem it's passing in Congress, and Pelosi's holding that up. Now, that's corruption, and it's obvious to all of us, the insider trading these people get into Congress at a very, I guess, aspirational uh, moment. But when they all leave Congress, they're the richest SOBs in America, and they're telling the poor people how to live. The other thing, when it comes to the president with the 25th Amendment, let's face it, we're only saying this because it's Biden. And it's obvious he's not cognitive. John, I just gave you exa- John. I gave you other examples of other presidents, including Trump, including Ronald Reagan. This has been going on forever. This notion of like people say stuff, but I'm I, I'm saying that okay, if we assume that they're cognitive, and I really appreciate your calling, John. I mean, l- let me let me just say this. Yeah, people want to. It's it's like a Rorschach test. You may see this as a way to stop Biden from doing another term. Some may see it as a way to stop. Trump from doing another term. Some may see it as a way so we don't have the same situation we had with Ronald Reagan, where there's some question whether he had Alzheimer's in office, but we didn't really know. Yeah, that's what makes this a brilliant proposal, if I do say so myself, that everyone can see a little bit of it where they want. I just want to correct one thing that John said, and John, I really do appreciate your calling. People are coming to Congress rich. <laughs> They're coming to Congress rich. And this whole notion of if you don't let them trade stocks inside a trial, maybe we shouldn't let anyone who's a millionaire vote to give tax cuts to millionaires. How about that? I mean, I just think that 
this whole thing is kind of phony, to be honest with you. There's plenty of transparency. Everything that Congress works on is someone is affected by it financially. I say we just have all kinds of transparency and let the voters decide who they want in, whether they want a rich guy or a poor guy. But in this case, I'm talking about do we want a president who at least is younger than 75 years old? Um, uh, so uh, uh, let's there are some calls on 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 the board from people who want to talk about the Cuomo thing. I okay, let's let's go ahead and get to a couple of them. Um let's say Arlene in Long Island, go ahead Arlene. Hey Anthony, thank you very much. I definitely want to talk about this. And I and I want to bring up something that you said. Okay, I'll quote you. Everyone deserves grace. And I take exception with that in this particular situation. To me, it's a sad commentary. I mean, I get that Andrew Cuomo would announce he's making a comeback because that's his whole persona. Like, you know, and there are probably some people that are happy about that. But there's a big that there's it's that's a it's such a disgraceful thing. So I have a, I would have a challenge for him. Okay, maybe this is a way that he could get grace. Right. So my challenge to him would be on this podcast: Why wouldn't he invite? Some of the family members who lost their parents, grandparents, elderly friends who are living in a nursing home, the way my mother was, who died when he signed that order on March 25th to let COVID-positive people from the hospital back into the nursing homes. Maybe that would be a way that some people might say he deserves a little grace. You won't see that happen. I won't see that happen in a lifetime. Well, Arlene, this I, is I not appreciate not a guy who deserves grace. Well, it's Arlene, that's a, you're making a great call. I mean, one of the things that I, again, all I can do is talk about my own experience with this, and that is if you are not prepared to talk about everything, everything, Take whatever it is, whether it's the victims of the nursing home crisis, whether it was your your uh, victims who may be making allegations about you in court. If you're not willing to take all of those things, in my view, you're not doing it right, because part of humility is being humble enough to accept criticism. That's never been a particularly strong point of his, but that's a very good point you make. So we have to go to a break. We have time for maybe one or two more calls when we come back. And we really do appreciate you joining us on The Mill. Radio 77 WABC. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. 77 WABC. So welcome back to The Middle. We have a few more minutes here this afternoon. We're talking about a couple of maybe divergent issues. Andrew Cuomo making a come back to the public eye and my idea to maybe say that some presidents are, are just too old. We've, I've heard from the deputy general manager in charge of information research on the middle, and she reports that the average age length of service in Congress is now 8.9 years, which is about four and a half terms, and for senators it's 11 years. So there is – I mean, there are term limits. The term limits are people – Get voted out. They get redistricted. They get they run for other things. They, you know, things happen. Uh, things happen uh, that lead people not to be around a long time. There is an argument to be made, and, and it's worth saying here. And, you know, some of this conversation has been somewhat in jest because I obviously don't think it's very likely we're going to amend the Constitution. I don't think they add half amendments. But 
You know, there are a lot of people. Think about your own life. Think about how many people that are of advanced years who are sources of amazing wisdom, who are in sources of amazing experiences that you've come to rely upon in your own life. Think about the people in your life who are, you know, who have a memory of a different time in American civic life who are instructive, who, who, you know, who can remind you that, hey, the stuff we've gone through, we've gone through before or, or things that they have learned. You know, being around a long time is not a vice. Um, and maybe what you sacrifice or what we sacrifice in someone being glib or good on television or particularly smooth and articulate and, you know, or whatever is that you sacrifice that. But what you do get is someone who's got a lot of experience, who's got a lot of wisdom. Um, you know, I, I, I remember when I got to Washington, it was 1985. And at the time, Tip O'Neill was the speaker. Ronald Reagan was the president. I was there actually on the eve. I was, I had tickets to go to Ronald Reagan's second inaugural and it was so cold in Washington they moved it indoors, and I can no longer go. I was just an intern. Um, and if you think about those two guys and the influence that they had on the politics of the time, neither one of them was young, obviously. They were both from a different golden generation. And I think the country benefited. I didn't agree with Ronald Reagan on many things. And I thought you know, Tip O'Neill is one of the underrated people in American civic life, and I think history will reveal that he was a remarkable person as well. And there were a lot of old, older members of Congress who, who that you came to rely upon. The seniority system, both in Congress and in life, is not necessarily a bad thing. And as we live older, thankfully as a country, and as our elected officials get older, maybe you're going to have them saying things that seem forgetful or seem like a gaffe, and maybe that's going to be increasingly the thing. And maybe that's up the price we pay. I mean – I don't know how else to put it. Um, the American people ultimately had the, I had the chance to vote for much younger candidates than Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and they didn't. They chose those guys. They had, a re, they had opportunities in the primaries and when Ronald Reagan was running to listen to the arguments of how why younger men should be chosen or younger women should be chosen, and they didn't. And that's the way democracy works. And um, it's only in the extreme cases that we pull the plug and say, okay, this isn't working. Um, And who knows? Maybe some people believe we're there with Joe Biden. I think that we can hang together as a country and come up with rules we all agree upon. This has been The Middle. I'm so grateful for you being here with me. I'm so grateful for Rich, Ryan, and Kevin, all of the callers. At the top of the hour, we'll have Curtis Lewa coming in to go left versus right. Thank you so much and stay safe.